gentlemen, I'm back for installment two of our intro to Modern Songs in Ancient Rhythm. I'd like to read for you, uh, uh, as an introduction, uh, just a short introduction we can uh, uh, get from what's written on the back cover. <laughs> Ancient biblical psalms offer a paradigm for my modern ones. I use in English the same rhythm we hear in the Hebrew. The psalm writers and I like to rethink scripture stories. Now, this is, uh, this is a very special thought. Uh, I want to make two main points to orient us to everything that we're going to be uh, looking at today. And the first main point is that King David, in his 150 Psalms, loves to retell scripture stories in his own way. He does that often. And I love to do that also. Uh, uh, he wrote 150. I wrote only 99. But that, that's... Uh, we have different personalities. Also, mine are four, 14 lines each. I may have uh, mentioned that last time, which is the length of a sonnet. So that's also in tune with my personality because uh, the default form uh, in poetry that I write on when I'm just uh, 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 in the mood for writing generally will very likely be the sonnet. 14 lines means you get to the point right away. It's concise. Okay, so that's the main point first. Uh, we're going to relook at some scripture traditions, and now here's the uh, second point. First, a legend, religion, myth, poem, or metaphor is a container for the water of spirit, each a cup giving its shape and color. The water is the water of spirit, the spirit is the water, and the religions are the cups giving it shape and color. That's a thought uh, from a poem by Sufi uh, poet Ibn Arabi, uh, not original at all with me, but it's so important, I, th I think of it as a motto for my work. And that being the case, then, now I'm coming to point two, the Judeo-Christo-Islamic tradition, a major stimulus for my book, provides three re related cultural containers for the water of spirit, for our imaginings of ultimate being, which is unknowable. I like to suppose that this unknowable, imagining our pluriverse, became the primal poet, imagining and thereby creating. We've, we are created in the likeness of this primal poet, and I fulfill my nature when I emulate the paradigm psalmer. I don't often see the phrase Judeo-Christo-Islamic spirit. I saw it recently in a, in a book about Derrida, who apparently had this concept. He was a Jewish philosopher, Jacques Derrida. Uh, one of the 20th century's major philosophers and theorists of literature. He was brought up in French-colonized uh, Algeria, and he had multicultural awareness early on. One point I really want to make is that um, because the Quran, in many ways, wants to be a synthesis of all the best that's gone before in the Jewish and in the Christian scriptures, uh, it uh, loves to quote... Um, those scriptures and rewrite all of them. And here's the amazing thing. And what makes my psalms different from other uh, psalms and what makes my commentaries differ uh, from other commentaries on uh, scripture is... I use the Judeo-Christo-Islamic tradition. I read the, see what the Quran has to say about every scripture tradition I look at. And that is that produces amazing results. The Quranic Joseph is an, 
even more uh, a diversified uh, narrative than uh, the uh, Hebrew uh, story of Joseph. I wish I had time to, to show you that that's one of the high points in the book. But I thought instead we'll begin more closer to the beginning and we'll follow the procedure we used for session one, and that is uh, just read uh, seven psalms. Uh, and I'm going to begin with Abraham, who is acknowledged by uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam as the founder of their religions. Absolutely, Islam insists that uh, uh, the same man who founded Judaism and Christianity also founded Islam, and the Islamic God in the Quran insists over and over that he brings no new message. He brings the message people have heard before, and it's time they listen to it. Anyway, let's begin then with Abraham. I call this, this is Psalm number 13. Psalm of the Nimble-Minded. This is a story, it's originally a folk story. Uh, it comes down to us in Genesis Rabbah, uh, uh, chapter 38. Verse 13 is where it begins, but in section by Chia ben Abba. Um, in other words, that's a, a, a Midrash anthology. It's a folktale collection of interpretations of scripture stories. Uh, but it's not in the Bible anywhere, the story I'm going to tell. Though some of you may well have heard it, because Jewish kids are told at least the first half of it. Namely, uh, Abraham's father comes home one day, and he sees his favorite wooden statues, his, his uh, gods, uh, pretty well hacked up into pieces and, and look they look as if they're ready for fireplace kindling and he is consumed with rage and he splutters out Abe did you do this and Abe says no I forgot to mention there was one statue that was spared the biggest one of all is sitting in the corner and Abe says no of course I didn't do it that one over there that guy he's the one that did it wonderful comedy uh, I love that when I, uh, it's taught to Jewish children even today. And uh, although in Judaism it's folklore, in um, the Quran it is part of the Quran. Uh, it uh, begins in uh, Surah or chapter 2155 and goes on to uh, 67. So let's have a story in Psalm uh, 13, Psalm of the Nimble-Minded. His father, shocked and grieved, surveyed the rubble heaps, the splintered wood, the clay, in jagged fragments. He spluttered, shrieked, who did this, you? Of course not. That guy there, the big one in the corner, get mad at him. A grimly smile. Now, Abe, you know full well, they cannot do such things. You get it, Dad? You got my point. I think you understand these matters every bit as well as I, or even better. That punchline wows the kids. I loved it as a boy. A folk tales, some have said, but tis in scripture writ. We sprightly wit adore. It helped us to survive. The knowers of the manifold traditions gather glad with solemn joy, with rueful grin. And now, let's do the second half of the story, which um, Jewish religious teachers have stopped talking about, but 
Muhammad keeps it and puts it in the Quran. The second half of the story is that, and I wouldn't have uh, learned about this if I hadn't decided to become uh, a Quran reader and read hundreds of pages on hundreds of nights and written hundreds of poems about what I loved and read. Uh, the Quran tells us that a Abraham's father was so consumed with rage that he tried to burn the boy alive. Uh, here's the account in the Quran. Ah, yes, here we go. It's in uh, um, 21... Uh, 68 of the Quran, uh, the friends of uh, Abraham's father, they cried, burn him and stand by your gods if ye will be doing. We, Allah, said, O fire, be coolness and peace for Abraham. And they wanted to set a snare for him, but we made them, says God, the greater losers. Okay, Psalm number 14, Psalm of the Martyr. The narratives we love will not stay trapped within a single book. This vivid Hebrew midrash you won't within the Bible find, and yet the legend theme kept growing to astonish. Quran would show the father try to burn the boy alive, but then be calm, be gentle, be cool, you flames, to Abraham. Thus God the vis victim rescued. Remember when, relaxing, we held the thought in mind that scripture rivers were a dream, which when the Lord had slept, he dreamt as now he's dreaming us. Themes wake to sleep again, assuming later bodies, martyrs in the fire. Were these not be viewed before? There is a passage in the Hebrew scriptures. Listen. When King Nebuchadnezzar, see the Bible's book of Daniel, in burning fiery furnace put three men, they didn't perish. In fact, a fourth one shone with light as of a son of God, a major theme returning, of which we learned a while ago. Kevar Elahim, like a son of God, is this fourth fiery figure that appears among the three martyrs in the flames. Uh, and uh, when I say we learned about it in an earlier psalm, that was when I was talking about the Genesis verse, and the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and there were born uh, a race of giants, or Nephilim, the fallen ones, mighty men that were of old, men of renown. Okay, now we have a psalm of pardon. And this is one of the most wonderful things to be found in any of the world's scriptures. What's a Abraham's um, reaction when the Lord miraculously saves him from being burned alive in the flames by his father and his father's friends? Forgiveness. In fact, let me read you first what the Quran says about it. In these uh, verses, uh, 26 from 83 to 89, from the Quran, uh, in Marmaduke Pickthall's translation, Abraham offers a prayer of pardon, a testament of forgiveness. It's the most gorgeous thing. I have made only a few tiny changes to regularize the meter because the Marmaduke Pickthall translation of the Quran is almost often uh, a perfect English verse to begin with. Uh, people don't realize it sometimes, but... Uh, Pickthall's English Quran is one of the great works of, of literature written in the English language. 
My Lord, says Abraham, my Lord, vouchsafe me wisdom to the righteous minds unite me, and give to me a good report in later generations, the heritage to merit of the garden of delight. My father, pardon, lo, he is, alas, of those who err. Abuse me not upon the fateful day when they are raised, the day when wealth and sons and power avail not any man, save him who bringeth unto God an undivided heart. My father, pardon, lo, he is, alas, of those that err. So here's my psalm number 15, psalm of pardon. A loving consummation of Abram's perfect heart assent is made within the prayer he uttered to the Lord on high, entreating kindly pardon for one who erred his parent, who when attempting murder was mentally misguided, so Jesus too would later forgive unknowing foemen. Centrality of pardon to deepened spirit life appears. Originality of thought, which means a new beginning, prevents one from replying to being struck by striking back in pointless imitation, instinctual and brainless. The Abrahamic prayer the Lord himself might well approve, Ibn Arabi inquired. Oh, I love this part. If God would quell the deadly flame for Abram, why not also diminish to extinction the fires that folk imagined as underworldly punishment? The more we think of pardon, the more we're solar, bright, and warm. Yep, there might not be actually, in point of fact, any fiery hell, since God is a God of mercy, and every chapter of the Quran begins in the name of the Lord, the Beneficent, the Merciful. It never says the just or the fair-minded. It says the Beneficent, the Merciful. Okay, now we have uh, perhaps, uh, well, one of the very most famous uh, Abram's, Abraham stories, and this is... Uh, Perhaps. Well, I have too many favorites. I can't always go, go around calling everything that I'm talking about my favorite. But I don't know why not. I used to say when I only have one daughter, Sarah, but I used to say, call her my favorite kid. And then I say, uh, you can have just one favorite kid. Here we go. This is Psalm of Three Angels. Love is a many scriptured thing. Three angels did I view. The ones that came to Abraham before his tent, they shared a meal. A grateful guest informed him that he and Sarah, aging both, might welcome soon a baby, another wonder angel-like. It's called to our attention that childbirth is a miracle. The seer theme recurrent, we in a sacred memoir find three purifying angels had visited the prophet. In, in his heart, an angel first removed, then flicked away a speck impure, and washed the heart, inserting the organ wholly cleansed within his chest. Muhammad could flawless truth proclaim. The dream of deity goes on and flows through mind and feeling. My keyboard ergonomic is like the Abrahamic tent where I expectant listen and eager-eyed await the messengers, the healers. 
the minstrel and the ministry. Oh, this is fun. I call this a psalm of laughter. For Sarah and for Abraham, the joy was overwhelming. To her at ninety years of age, and him who'd reached a hundred, the grand incongruous event proved splendid entertainment. Said Sarah, I am laughing, and my friends are laughing with me. The Hebrew root of Isaac, that is Yitzchak, the root tzchuk, is laugh, meant very simply laughter. A legend tells. A Jewish man was walking in a market, Elijah, his companion. Of all the people we observed, dear prophet, can you tell me, are any of them worthy? The heaven world to enter? The prophet answered, no. But then Elijah noticed a pair of new arrivals. Hey, look, those two are worthy. The man ran off to ask them about their daily work life. Comedians we are, said they. The man, perplexed returning, again addressed the mentor. Comedians? Comedians? Indeed, they merit heaven. I love these folktale commentaries. That comes from a... Um, Rabbi Adin Steinsalz, he transmitted it in his commentary to uh, uh, um, the uh, Tanya, which is a spiritual manual he wrote for Jews in, in the time of uh, Romanticism, Blake, Byron, uh, Napoleon. Psalm 18. This is our Friday psalm in our week of uh, heading toward the Sabbath. This is called a psalm on strategy. You never know what you're going to get next in the Bible. Of nimble-witted Abraham, converging legend streams would tell. In Jacob, son of Isaac, the connoisseur of tactics, more cleverness will note. When time arrived for Jacob to leave his uncle Laban, the livestock they had shared would need to be divided and proper shares apportioned. In the uh, Hebrew scriptures, in in book of Genesis in particular, you're constantly reading about, uh, about uh, cattle, sheep, and goats, and uh, uh, these are uh, herdsmen farmers. Let me remove a while the whitely speckled goats and spotted sheep said Jacob, and uncle had agreed. When time comes for departure, I'll take the speckled, spotted. No other lambs or goats. That, too, they agreed on. The goats and sheep in heat would Jacob gather in a place where he had branches peeled to make them spotted, speckled. The mothers concentrated on these while they gave birth. The babies all resembled peeled poplar plain and olive. Oh, clever, clever planning. The prankster, trickster wins. See, this is ancient uh, biological thought. It was supposed that uh, when a uh, sheep or other animal is giving birth, or this was actually thought often to be true of humans also, what the mother is looking at will determine the appearance 
of the baby whom she's giving birth to while she's looking at it. And now lastly, Psalm on Patriarchs. Uh, I, I'm always puzzled by the phrase patriarchs because it sounds uh, oh, so, um, I don't know, if not downright pretentiously uh, uh, um, based on an assumption of power. But in fact, uh, the patriarch, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, have quite a sense of humor, and sometimes it works to other people's disadvantage so that they, they behave like folktale pranksters. Listen to this. Though Abraham, Isaac, Jacob are often styled the patriarchs, the reverential title might not be quite consistent with many-sided natures and proclivity for mischief. Consider the occasion when hunter-brother Esau appeared to be collapsing from weariness and hunger. That lentil stew, it simmered, with Esau nearly starving. Would Jacob show compassion? He'd rather make a business deal. Your birthright will you sell me? Have soup or stew of lentils. The shrewdness boldly touted. In many other legend tales we overshadowed find by plain and brazen greed. A fine ingenious poet, refashioning our story, supposed a charming waitress a so attractive role had played, the captivated Esau, with buckling knees, forked over the faithful payment, asked, I see her. Let's have lentils. This poet, by the way, is Elze Lasker-Schüler. She wrote a book called Hebräische Balladen in the 20th century, Hebrew ballads, basing her book on uh, one uh, by Heinrich Heine called Hebraische Melodien, or Hebrew Melodies, which in turn was based on one by Lord Byron called Hebrew Melodies. Oh, I'd love to talk about that. I could lecture on that. We can't, though. It's time. We've finished our seven psalms. And uh, once again, I'm deeply grateful to you all for being with me. Mm -hmm.